Uh. You are what? <laughs> so sorry. <laughs> I wish I could burp on command and I do it all the time. What was that? I'm so sorry. I know I shouldn't have had this soda. I know. 20 minutes. As soon as I. I know. I know. It's nerves. It's nerves, man. It's like yawning before I go on stage. I'm good. Okay. Okay. You were listening to Ouija burps. <laughs> you are Ooh. listening to Ouija Broads. This is Liz. This is Devin. <laughs> calm down, Devin. <laughs> <laughs> you calm down. <laughs> okay. Ooh. I have come back and we are going to finish the story of Arlington Buckingham Wadsworth. Good God. How many wives are we at? What's our wife count? Uh, let me Seven? recap briefly. Let's All see. Right. So number one was the telegram operator, number two, the clairvoyance daughter, number yes. three, judge's daughter, number four, the San Francisco widow, number five, the actress, number six is the Southern Society girl, and number seven is the Northwestern Society girl, so Katie okay. Clark, Anthony Cannon's stepdaughter. Yes. Sometimes in later roundups of his shenanigans, they start counting... Mrs. Sargent, who was the one who moved into West Virginia with him and her sister. They start okay. saying they got married, but I, I don't count that. I think at the time they were clear that she wasn't. I think it's just okay. the kind of thing that they start to say like, this eh, too complicated and it makes a better story to say that he also married her. Yeah. <sighs> but we're on seven. Seven. <laughs> Seven wives. And I actually have an extra Spokane story that I forgot to tell you in the first one because it popped, it it comes up in a different article from much later. So I forgot to to tell you about it. Oh. (sighs) So. One extra Spokane story, and I'll read it to you. Okay. But a short episode, properly coming in at this point for its part of the farce, demands a moment's diversion. Spokane has a fashionable... Well, no matter. They just did one of those, like, 19th century blanks. (laughs) (laughs) No matter. No matter. Uh, By guile, witchcraft, or sorcery, Mr. W. was enticed within its unhallowed walls. For let it be said right here, Mr. W. has perhaps a human weakness. Mm. (laughs) Whilst there, apparently drugged with wine and robbed of money, he was heard to say, raising with eloquence and dramatic fire from a table where he had been drowsing and declaiming wildly, My God! My God! This is more than my poor heart can bear! I am eaten up with remorse! I, the last of my illustrious race! I, in whose veins flows the blood of a Wadsworth, robbed and drunk within a harlot's den! (laughs) so he's in a whorehouse he's in a whorehouse and somebody notices okay and fantastically his response is oh my god i'm in a whorehouse (laughs) (laughs) tell him brandon's not texting you okay however did i get here Yeah, so pathetically sad were these lines that his friends gathered about him and lifting him with sympathetic hands, carried him to a carriage, took him home, placed him in bed, and watched till he recovered. While (laughs) convalescing, the women of the city came to him, bathed his brow, and said sweet things. 
What? Oh, you poor dear. You found yourself robbed, drunk, and somehow in a whorehouse. Let us comfort you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love it that it's like he's apparently drugged with wine and robbed of money. And it notes, it was learned afterward that this was also a hoax. Oh, you don't fucking say. Oh, yeah, (laughs) right. Somebody who has consumed a lot of alcohol and spent a lot of money in a brothel. (laughs) <laughs> no, yeah, he he was definitely under some kind of witchcraft or sorcery. <laughs> but isn't that the best response? Like, it, like, thank God you're here, officer. Deny, <laughs> deny, deny. Absolutely. It was in Nurse Kills Hitman that we did as a seance. Where uh, the the guy gets caught up with who hired the hitman. And the first thing he says is... You're never going to believe what happened. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> you're darn right. You're darn right. It, see, and you've, you've got a show throwback, and I'm only thinking of something starring Tom Hardy. So it's like in yeah. a, the last Batman movie where Catwoman gets away with shit because when the police show up, she just kind of pretends to faint and is, thank God you're here. The bad guys are inside. Yep. <laughs> But I love that approach from, like, a man who we know spent all of three months in Spokane Falls. And his friends catch up with him. My God. My God. The last of my (laughs) illustrious race. I have never, ever had the wherewithal to declaim something that vehemently. Let alone when drunk. Yeah. and, And caught out on my shit. Arlington... Buckingham, you know, the last of his, got the last the of last his kind. Of the Wadsworths, mm-hmm. the blood of the Wadsworths flowing in his veins, like <laughs> like that means anything. Like he he's talking about nothing. Last of- pull that out of his ass. <laughs> okay, so when last we left Buck, uh-huh. Buck was in Grand Forks, Dakota Territory, okay, under the name of General A. B. Ward, getting very involved with like politics, the presidential campaign, all this kind of stuff, being proposed as a senator when Dakota Territory became a state and could have senators. Yeah. And then in the newspaper, a little notice ran, Mm -hmm. just casually informing anyone who was interested that Arlington Buckingham Wadsworth was in town. Yes. And that's where I left you on the cliffhanger. Yes. Here's... What happened? The guy who owned that newspaper had wanted a seat on the city council that went to General A.B. Ward. So (laughs) when a private detective showed up with what they keep calling a circular, meaning like it's a really detailed description of Buck and his history and his aliases. Yeah. Uh, the, the editor finds out about it and is, like, delighted, <laughs> fiendishly delighted. He's our friend. Because, this kind yeah. of, this petty delight just it sustains me. Yes, I really appreciate his drama instincts. Yeah. Like, he could have just, like, told everybody. But instead he was like, no, I'm going to torment you. So that's one thread of it. There's an alternate thread that seems to pick up where some people or some articles assert that what happened was that 
Buck was at a barber shop and the barber mentioned, oh, like I don't, that guy's not General Ward. I was a barber in Spokane Falls and he went by a different name there. Okay. So I don't know whether that's what happened or whether maybe he said that and then somebody was like, oh, let me go look at like the wanted notices and see if General Ward fits any of these. Okay. Could be both. I don't know. But that in itself, that tiny notice that didn't mean anything except to the two of them, mm-hmm. that was enough. General Ward pieces out, yeah. goes to a place where he stashed some money and, and pieces out up to Canada. Okay. Promptly. Promptly. He lit out for the territories, my friend. Oh, yeah. No, from the territories to mm-hmm. other territories. <sighs> okay. So I want to read you the circular because it's great. Oh, yes. And I also want to tell you the reason why nobody figured out that Ward was Wadsworth is because in the circular, he has a mustache. <laughs> what kind of Scooby-Doo chicanery is this? <laughs> That's all it takes? Clark Kent can't be Superman. He can't possibly. glasses. <laughs> <laughs> what nonsense. Oh, man. Perfect crime. <laughs> so, yeah, the description given was a good one and agreed exactly with General Ward, but nobody recognized its identity largely on account of a woodcut in the corner. I love it's a woodcut. Wood in cut. the corner of the handbill, which represents a younger looking man than Ward with a heavy mustache. Good <laughs> when God. seen here, he had shaved off his mustache and wore side whiskers, which made <laughs> him look for all the world like an Episcopal clergyman. I don't know what that means. <laughs> I do not whatsoever know what that means. <laughs> you've been Catholic, you've been Moldovian, you've been many a thing, but not an Episcopalian. I also don't have, like, a stereotype of how Episcopalian ministers wear their facial hair, but I love the references that you get where they're like, haha, obviously. Yeah, clearly. Obvi- everybody knows what that means. Yeah. You know how they do Episcopalian ministers. And their side like whiskers. This. Be yeah. like this. <laughs> Catholic ministers be like, yeah. So... <laughs> they pass around woodcuts. It's the earliest meme. Looking at them yeah. going, it me. Yeah. <laughs> it like me. if true. <laughs> Tag you ourself. <laughs> and they just have write it out by hand and like pin it onto the thing. <laughs> There's a community notice board. And it's just got somebody's beautiful, beautiful ink pen copper yeah. plate <laughs> it me <Yeah. laughs> it me <laughs> it ya <your> boy <laughs> okay the circular reads yes $125 reward for any Ooh. information which leads to the arrest of Samuel Oakley Crawford alias Eugene Samuel Bovier Eugene Bonner E.R. Bannerton Morris Benatine Manor Horace <laughs> Oakley Ward <laughs> Oh, I think it says manor, but it's supposed to say major. Major, gotcha. <sighs> Arthur Wood, W.D. Wood, and now I'm like, oh, did I marry into this family? You did. Um, <laughs> Arlington, Buckingham, Wadsworth, or any other name or combination of the above has been <laughs> a <sighs> lawyer, banker, political orator, real estate operator, spiritualist, literateur, 
I don't know what that means. <laughs> Miner, speculator and organizer, bigamist, and confidence man generally. I love how they throw bigamist in there like it's a career. Yeah, like, What yeah. are you going to do with your degree? Oh, I'm going to marry a lot of ladies. <laughs> I'm putting it on my business card stat. Bigamist. Okay, so it talks about where he was, kind of what he's done. Mentions that he has five living wives and three daughters. <laughs> he Whoa. is about... Uh, where did, yeah. Where did the kids come in? At least one is by way of the actress. I think mm. possibly two. Gotcha. And then uh, because she likes to give interviews to the papers and mentions how she is in what they call a delicate condition. I see. So that well, makes it all the more shocking well, that she had to go back on the stage and earn her money. No bad <sighs> press. No bad press. I'd go see it, you know? Oh, Yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah. You're like, tell me your deal. Okay, <laughs> here we go. Here's the description. He is about 48 or 50 years old, 5 feet 7 inches or over, 140 to 150 pounds, varied by his bleeding at the lungs. So apparently he's a lunger. Uh, <laughs> I, I have... I have an episode in preparation about how consumption shaped the West, actually. <gasps> oh, God, I can't wait. I can't wait. Really? Tell me all yeah. about Doc Holliday. Oh, my God. <laughs> but we'll picture Val Kilmer the whole time. Oh, of course. Okay. Without beard when last seen. Thanks. <laughs> Definitely use letters up on that. Oh, my God. But be sure, to print, he <laughs> be sure to print the fucking mustache. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Oh, no, don't worry. Usually, he has a good-sized grayish mustache. <laughs> slightly clipped in front with upward curling ends. They seriously used three lines of this newspaper column describing his facial hair that may or may not exist. Dark grayish hair brushed smoothly well down on the left temple and Ah. parted diagonally just over the outside edge of the right eye and worn of a medium length. Holy crap. I guess woodcuts really wouldn't give you this detail. I suppose not. (laughs) But it's also getting a little bit admiring, I feel like. Yeah, it sounds pretty, uh, something to make the ladies flutter. Right? Steel blue, grayish, and expressive oh. eyes. Mm. Which I think they're just trying to describe the color, but I like the idea that he has one of each. Like yeah. one steel blue and the other is gray. <laughs> Definitely makes you more interesting if you have heterochromia. Yeah. So, and should be easier to track down. <laughs> it's a big mustache, Liz. You know, it draws a lot of focus. <laughs> Well, also Clark Kent style, occasionally wearing eyeglasses. Oh. Like, what possible <laughs> help is that? It's not. Like, <laughs> yes, he can, he may or may not be wearing glasses. Oh, I know that guy. Oh, that man, that one that sometimes <laughs> wears shirts and sometimes wears long shirts. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for narrowing it down. But here, here's the secret. We were speculating about this last time. Perfect teeth. Showing well when speaking. (laughs) Which, knowing him, I'm sure they were like dentures, right? Oh, totally. A fluent and easy talker, socially inclined with fine address, well-informed and self-poised, neat dresser, claims great intimacy with prominent public men, and exhibits first-class credentials from high officials under the respective seals. So then it talks a little bit about his scars, which are less interesting, and gives... Here's the thing they kept doing. I hear this on the dollop all the time. Yeah. Wears about a number seven shoe and number eight glove. You're like, oh, yeah. All the time. I just look at guys' hands and think, that guy's about a size eight in gloves. Too dainty for me. I like a man with at least a size nine in gloves. 
Oh, yeah. Well, you know, they say about guys with big gloves. Like, <laughs> what the fuck? Uh, I just smokes the best of cigars. Ah. Had an expensive diamond ring on the third finger, which, again, it's like, yeah, maybe. You <laughs> maybe don't know. A glass. A valuable gold watch attached to a small neck chain and carried a peculiar spearheaded cane. What? That's <laughs> helpful. <laughs> That's interesting. Is that saying armed and dangerous? Like his well, cane is also a wait. spear? Had a loaded revolver. No, sorry. Has a loaded revolver and a vial of alleged poison on his person or near his hand. Oh my god. <laughs> he served one sentence of three years, but states that he will not be taken alive. <laughs> like he served one sentence of three years for horse trading for me. And he didn't even serve all of that. <laughs> he may or may not have a beard, but we're totally positive he's got a vial of poison and a loaded revolver in hand. All time on his At size all times. eight gloved hand with a diamond <laughs> ring. With the diamond ring. The other hand okay, may be checking don't it. Don't worry. This isn't the strangest part yet. What? Here it comes. When despondent through ill health or impecuniosity, meaning he's broke, he threatens suicide, can shed copious crocodile tears, and bleeds freely from his lungs whenever the occasion requires. <laughs> Just get away to fence like a squid! <laughs> like that frog that shoots the blood out of his eyeballs or what? Sorry. I think you cheated me out of a horse once. <laughs> <laughs> and then he gets away <laughs> skitters away on his size cut. 7 <laughs> shoes <laughs> yep and then runs and then runs <laughs> run buck run. and then runs <laughs> <laughs> what a gross man I know I know and I do not like that's the point where I just stopped and was like what are you talking Talking about, <laughs> and I think what they're suggesting is that his tuberculosis means that, like, when it will benefit him, he'll start coughing really hard, yeah, and like let you s- glimpse a bloody handkerchief yeah. so you feel bad for him. But yeah, so like that's less shocking. But oh my god, uh, never omits an opportunity to visit young men's Christian unions. What? 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 His manner is devout or devilish by turns, but always suave and sympathetic, unprincipled, but not dangerous or physically wicked. You just told us he can shoot blood <laughs> from his lungs, has poison and a revolver and a spearheaded cane, and won't but be he's taken. not dangerous at all. And he and, and he said, "I'm not going back to jail. <laughs> You'll never take me alive, coppers." Yeah. <laughs> Blech. Blech. <laughs> Let's turn this into galloping consumption. <laughs> <laughs> It's amazing. He's like a gat, a gatling gun of blood. <laughs> I'm not surprised they didn't find him based on this description. Like you read that and you're like, well, I'd know this guy if I saw him. I'd know this guy if I saw him and I would cross the street. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so just by virtue of like being relatively calm and 
collected, I guess. That's how he was getting away with it. (laughs) Nobody was like, that must be this guy. Mm -hmm. That general that's not shooting blood out of his (laughs) mouth or... Oh <laughs> a demonic sprinkler just pit 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 yeah. pit we don't even have a young men's christian union <laughs> thank god yeah well okay, okay so, so it, it, this thing though it reads like today's horoscopes where yes it does it's like telling you who to watch for or something for your next date for you. it's bizarre it, it is and it, it could be applied to anyone you know, you. It sounds to me like you really uh, value your friends and like hanging out with them in social situations, and yet mm-hmm. you need time alone to recharge. Like they're describing uh, anybody. That is me. That is they me. They are, and then they're also describing like really strange traits that. Oh yeah, mutant. He's very unlikely to exhibit. Like some of the scars <laughs> they described are like on his ribs or his upper legs. Mm. I'm like. Eh, most people aren't going to see that. I'd be the one to find him. <laughs> I don't know. I sent you a picture and you said you weren't into it. Oh, yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't. Mm-hmm. He looks like Ashley Wilkes. I need a Rhett uh, Butler. Yeah. Yeah, I I get it. I get you. All right. So this was all back at the end of 1887. All right. And the beginning of 1888 is when he pieces out. And apparently the Spokane people were like, oh, yeah, that guy. Yep, that's what happened. Yep, we know him. Uh, (laughs) And then he disappears for a little bit, as is his way. As is the way of all these guys. I only know where they are when it's newspaper time. Yeah. Then, don't worry, he doesn't stay gone for long. Oh, good. 1889 in July in Chicago. Wow. (sighs) This makes the papers... Because there is this guy whose name is Dr. A. Bentley Worthington. Oh, that sounds familiar-ish. Mm-hmm. Wow, amazing. Yeah. And Dr. A. Bentley Worthington has fallen in with Christian scientists. Oh, so my. I, I don't know a ton about their deal, but they were certainly like... A little outside the mainstream, but of interest to a lot of prominent people. Yeah. And A. Bentley Worthington showed up at the home of a prominent Christian science couple named the Plunkets. So Mr. Plunkett ran the Christian science uh, journal, like okay. the magazine that they put all their stuff in. Yeah. And he showed up and he's like, I'm fascinated by this Christian science stuff. I love this stuff. Amazing. And before you know it, Mrs. Plunkett stands up before a few friends and says, Worthington and I were actually originally created specially for the purpose of living together. And we're going to do that now. (laughs) And Mr. Plunkett is like, excuse the fuck out of me. What are you talking about? And they're like, oh, yeah, we are in affinity. And I uh, looked this up. And okay. if, if there is a concept of affinity within Christian science, it's not really something that seems to be prominent now. Okay. So it may have just been one of those like, oh, you didn't hear? Yeah, we're in affinity. And that means any marriages I've been into up to this point don't count. 
But uh, Mr. Plunkett was like, and I'm out of here. And I'm over this. But then he's not over it in the sense of no longer obsessed with it. Oh. Uh, He, this is very creepy to me. Worthington, aka Buck, moves into the Plunkett house. And Mr. Plunkett moves into the apartment where Buck used to live. Stop it. Because he wants to stalk them. Oh, my gosh. Plunkett, let her go. Let her go. But (sighs) here's what happens. All right. He is obsessed with this because it happened under his own roof. He's shocked that he's in embarrassed because all of a sudden Mrs. Plunkett is like, everybody knows you and I weren't supposed to be together and we were just brother and sister under this roof. And you should be happy for me. And, you know, Worthington and I both have dark pasts and it doesn't matter because that's what's wonderful about Christian science is you just accept it and move on. Okay. So, Mr. Plunkett gets his Scooby-Doo on. (laughs) And starts doing research and starts looking into stuff and figures out where Worthington is from. He manages to get a photo of General A.B. Ward. Mm. And here's where it actually is really convenient that he's living in that same apartment because the same maid works there that worked there when Buck was there. So Mr. Plunkett can show her this picture and be like, who's this? And she's like, it's that guy who used to live here. I know him. I recognize him. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. And then things start to close in. Mm. So fantastically, again, he takes this approach. A reporter is onto him. Several several reporters have figured this out. And like once you know he's Ward, then you also know he's Buck, then you also know all this other nonsense. Yeah. And a reporter actually manages to catch him on the street one morning while he's walking along and shows him the stuff about A B Ward. And <laughs> said Dr. Worthington, Oh, that is another invention of the enemy. About a fortnight ago, I was out walking when Plunkett walked up to me and said, Howdy do, General Ward. I simply laughed at him. This dispatch comes from the same source. My duties and calling forbid that I should attempt to repel Plunkett's dirty insinuations by using similar tools. Who are you going to believe, me or your lion eyes? <laughs> like, <laughs> Just man, he had that more wear, more wherewithal than poor Rachel Dozal. I know. He's just how do you do, General Ward? Oh yeah, I get that a lot. Yeah, weird. <laughs> You're just a hater. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then the reporter comes out and he's like, "Oh, if I weren't." the nice guy that I am, I could do this right back at Plunkett. And you're like, in what way? Yeah, how so? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so this turns into a scandal for both of them because I'm not sure why, but this time Buck has somewhat decided to stand his ground. Okay. So Mrs. Plunkett stands by him mm-hmm. and says, look, he's always been very careful with my money. He's very steadfast. I trust him with anything. And Christian science means that he can put his mistakes behind him. And this is when one newspaper is like, does he do hypnotism? 
<laughs> like, <laughs> what is this guy's power? What can right. he do? Right. Wait, she's known him for what, like five seconds now at this point? Nope. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. A hot minute. Yeah. Oh, my God. But the, the New York Sun goes the hell in on her, too. Nice. Because I guess she had some kind of, like, free love-esque relationship before becoming Mrs. Plunkett. Oh. And so they decide, like, <laughs> yeah, you're both crappy people. That's why you're okay with this. Mm-hmm. She's got an affinity for affinity is what I'm hearing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Birds with a nasty feather. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it's looking bad for both of them, and it's becoming very awkward. So they, of all things, leave New York and move to New Zealand. What? How do you even I get know. to New Zealand in the 1800s? Come on. Yeah, I don't know, but remember when Linda Hazard did that, like, a little That's bit right. later? That's right, yeah. She was like, I'm just going to peace out to New Zealand and Australia and do whatever, whatever. Yeah. And it's like, what do you... What are you talking about? You can't just do that. But they did. But they did. Uh, they renamed themselves Brother and Sister Worthington. Mm. And they start flim-flamming all around, like, Tasmania, New Zealand, Australia. They start a church or cult <laughs> uh, called something like the Temple of Truth. I can't remember what it's specifically called, but that's great. Okay. Given his particular thing. I'm pretty sure they never get legally married. Okay. Because he's not legally divorced. Well, nor is she. Mm-hmm. I mean, it never stopped him before. No, it did. But I, that's the problem with trying to, like, count all his wives. Is, is you're like, well, like, is it got married in front of a judge even if it wasn't legal? Or yeah. they think they got married in front of a judge? Yeah. Anyway. Let me read you from the Globe, the Boston Globe. Mm. The Globe, extra. This is all a headline. The Globe, extra. Five o'clock. Poor Plunkett. Pines for the love of other days. Ere Worthington came to his home and stole the affections of Mrs. Plunkett. He and his French maid see Ward's picture and say he is the same notorious Lothario. (laughs) That's one headline <laughs> that they break up into like a bunch of chunks like they're telegramming it to you. <laughs> I think they must have been. People were so used to getting their missives that way. Yeah. That that's it's the only way you could do a headline. It stole the affections of Mrs. Plunkett. Stop. <laughs> he and his French maid seen Ward's picture. Stop. <laughs> more to follow at 11. Stop. Yep. <laughs> we'll get more updates soon. Oh, Lord. Okay. So this is actually also where they talk to Mr. Worthington. And okay. he says, oh, uh, let me just read this because we've had this problem before in this show of when you try to summarize somebody else's bullshit, Ugh. it becomes even less comprehensible. Totally. I'm ready. So Mr. Worthington published this in the Christian Science paper. <sighs> According to his own statement in his paper, in the state of New York, one man can marry half a dozen women and live with them without violating any law of the state. This statement, reads the article, is predicated upon the codes of the state and their construction by its highest tribunals. Under these same laws, one of the parties to a marriage contract may desert the other, and after an absence of five years, the one so deserted may marry again, and the marriage by express provision of its code is valid until dissolved by a competent court. Like, 
what are you talking about? You've married three women in one year. <laughs> this doesn't have anything to do with the whole, like, after somebody deserts you no. for five years, you can count yourself unmarried. You have never let five years go yes. between marrying women. I don't even... Let alone married most of them in New York State. Right? Right? That's <laughs> what I'm trying to figure out. Like, Well, in Botswana, you can have... Yeah. You can have cake for breakfast, so therefore I get to have cake yeah. for breakfast. It's like, but you, but you ordered pie and it's lunchtime. Yeah, and you're not in Botswana. Yeah, none of this is pertinent to this. your argument. No, this, this is, is like Lydia telling me that Bigfoot has to be real because peacocks are real. <laughs> I don't know. I think that logic follows. I think it kind of does, but mm-hmm. still, you're like, I don't think that's gonna like completely hold up to everyone. No. <sighs> All right, so here there's actually a letter from the last Mrs. Ward who he scoured <laughs> 12 grand from. This is the poor girl who he left on Grand Forks. Aww. He left here last January telling me that he was going to Bismarck on business and that I was to go to him there in a few days. That is the last I ever heard from him directly. He left me in a destitute and delicate condition, and I've had to work ever since, when I really ought not to have done so. He robbed my mother of almost all she had. He spares neither widow nor orphan. As the saying is, all is fish that comes to his gnat. As Mrs. Plunkett will find to her sorrow, I wish I had money enough, and his career would stop short, and he would go where he deserves to be put." Which I want to use. I want to just, like, next time somebody cuts me off in traffic, I'm like, I hope you go where you deserve to be put. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, totally. (laughs) Karma can't get you for that one, Liz. It's it's just, like, being in customer service and saying, I hope your day is as nice as you are. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. This article is, like, chock full of shade as Mm -hmm. well, because, so, they've, the Plunkets have taken off, and here's how the article wraps up. As for Mr. Plunkett, he no longer needs any sympathy. Plunkett is avenged. He is a weak brother, and it took the newspapers a good while to convince him he ought to get angry and hand over the scoundrel who stole his wife to the police. But there's nothing the matter with Plunkett now. He is a happy man. Even Christian science treatment could not make him happier. I love that they're like, he's a weak brother. You are a weak brother. But like, you're this guy right. hasn't had enough problems this year. No, I Freaking know. Freaking Chicago Tribune has to be like, he's a weak brother, but at least he's happy now. At least we badgered him into making his private business public for our entertainment. Where's the leave Britney alone kid? I know. <laughs> Poor oh baby. God. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, Worthington kind of absents himself to the Antipodes before uh, she goes. Yeah. But eventually they're there and they're racketing around for a while. He gets arrested, of course. Oh, wow. Because it's a cult and they're scamming people out of money <laughs> and doing free love stuff. <laughs> and then the next thing you know, it's 1911 and... Of all places in Elyria, Ohio, I find an ad for a progressive spiritualist. Mm. Evening subject, 7.30. Message service, Thursday, 2 o'clock. A.B. Wadsworth of Wellington will lecture Sunday evening, social Tuesday, February 21st, at home of Mrs. Massey of Mound Street. So he came back. Woman. They came back as soon as they got out of jail. He was deported. (laughs) 
<laughs> and uh, in between, what we eventually figure out is after they get deported from Australia, or rather, he goes, and they get separated at some point. I'm not 10,000% sure as to when, but yeah. I'm going to guess she just woke up one day and was mm-hmm. like, is he getting coffee? It was easy. No? Yeah. Yeah. Went out for <laughs> cigarettes. Yep. Never came back. Uh, he tours around... Europe for a while, pretending to be some guy from Oxford. Okay. And then manages to convince people to give him a posting at a Presbyterian church in New York. I don't know how he adapted his facial hair to fit into that (laughs) stereotype. But they figure him out. And somebody is like, wait a minute. You're not a Presbyterian clergyman at all. Because they notice the way that he's been, you know... Stealing all the money from the church—that'll oh, be yeah. a giveaway. Yeah, they. I I like how they were like, "You don't start with this, right? Like, <laughs> you work up this to this. Isn't your first rodeo." Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh no! They did their free love cult. He comes okay. back. He decides to be a minister. As they say it, New Zealand gave him the gate because of shady work. The the reverend, another reverend becomes very suspicious of him, realizes that he's taking too much money from the church, and starts <laughs> yeah, I'm doing... I'm sorry, I'm sorry, realize yeah, he's much taking money. too much money. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you're supposed to have yeah, some. Yeah, skim a little bit <laughs> off the top, but not all of it. Yeah. For four years, the old and the young of New Hamburger had greeted affectionately the tall, white-haired clergyman, passing into his 70s, but still with the carriage of a Kentucky colonel of stageland, as he passed along the village streets. When financial troubles assailed him, which was often, men and women with little savings and big were proud to open their purses to help him. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. Yeah, so this tells us that he left a wife and four talented children behind. Because, again, he bounces to Canada. He loves crossing borders to get away from this. Yeah. And I don't know if they say wife and four children as in, like, this is Mrs. Plunkett and some kids, or this is somebody else. Hard to tell. Because one article says he married a member of the cult, doesn't name her. Yeah. And I can't figure out where she fits in. Yeah. Like, if he did marry Mrs. Plunkett, that would count as being a member of the totally. cult. Totally. But it says a young woman, and I don't think of her like that. Yeah. So, <laughs> I don't know. Well, she doesn't think of you like that either, Liz. Good. <laughs> yeah, I swear, like, half of these articles is just going, it's just me being the first person in a hundred years yeah. to read something that somebody cranked out under yeah. deadline and was like, eh. Tomorrow's fish wrap. Nobody's going to worry if I mention he threw a... <laughs> he married a cult member. I'll just throw that in. Right. Nobody's right. ever going to think about this again. <laughs> we care, damn it. Take I note, care. article writers of today. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. So, 1916 July, he bounces back in. Okay. In Delaware. And he marries Jenny A. Showalter. And after two months, decamps... With $2,500 of her cash. Oh, Jenny! <laughs> I know. And this shocks me because, like, he's 70. Yeah! Who is God. this young, unmarried woman <laughs> who's like, yeah, this guy. I mean, are his teeth still that good? <laughs> yeah. He's got those dainty little hands, Liz, you know? Mm-hmm. It just does it. 
diamond ring and all the scars and yells at people about drinking like he did <laughs> since he was young. <sighs> oh, Jenny. Yeah. Oh, my God. So, as they put it, he cut quite a swath, winning friends rapidly. He borrowed their money and drank their wine. Mm. <laughs> it was always fair weather for him. Yes. So, don't worry. We're coming to the end, though. Oh, Oh. Yeah, this is the article that says, The last known bride was a beautiful girl of Christchurch, New Zealand, a member of his cult. What are you saying? What is this about? And they're following him at this point. Because this time, if you can tell who you've got, you got your front page story and the next five pages done. <laughs> There's so you much fodder. set. <laughs> yeah. I mean. <laughs> There's a lot you can cover here. Here comes the last article that I have about him. It's December 13th, 1917. Okay. So, this guy who's currently under the alias of Reverend Arthur Worthington, but he was born Samuel Oakley Crawford, and we've known him under many aliases between then and now. So many. He's 72 years old. Okay. And he's in jail because they have caught up to him. And arrested him for swindling another clergyman <laughs> out of several hundred dollars. <laughs> they caught up to him when he ran. They figured out who he was. They're like, oh, you're all the things. You're cult member, actor, preacher, prohibition lecturer, <laughs> major, and a colonel, and a <laughs> general, <laughs> and an insurance agent, judge. Bigamist. Uh, let's see. Yeah, bigamist, captain, Christian science healer, free love exponent. Political order. And here's where they put again, literateur. Literateur. Like, Do you mean writer? <laughs> Is that what that means? Now I have to look it up, because otherwise I'm going to look it up later when I edit this and be like, why didn't I just look this up then? Why didn't you just do that? Literateur. He's a member of the literati. A person who is interested in and knowledgeable about literature. That's a thing? Apparently. That's a job? I didn't know you could make that a thing. Well, Liz, he wasn't making his money being a literateur, so... I guess not. But, you know, banker, lawyer. At this point, they estimated that he has conned people out of a million dollars. Which, in 1917, they think he has cleaned up a million dollars from oh people. Oh, my gosh. Which is like, nobody has a million dollars. Like, five people yeah. have a million yeah. dollars right. at this point. Right. Not the, the president. No. <laughs> the Rockefellers. Yeah. But Mrs. Jenny A. Showalter is not done. This is the woman who married him in 1916 <gasps> when he was going as Charles Graham Boone. She shows up to the jail. She finds out where he is. Shows up. She appears before him. He stares at her for a moment and sinks to the floor with a groan and is dead before the doctor gets there. What? He was so shocked that his last wife had caught up with him that he had a heart attack and died. What? No. That's what he died of. <laughs> oh, Jenny. Good job, kiddo. <gasps> she didn't have to lay a finger on him. No. He was just like, oh, okay, it's over. No. God Almighty <laughs> chose Jenny as his angel of reckoning that day. Wow. So the final count of wives... One telegram operator, two clairvoyant daughter, three judge's daughter, four San Francisco widow, five actress, six Southern Society girl, seven Northwestern Society girl, eight the young woman from Rhode Island who he dumps in Grand Forks, nine uh, is either 
the cult member if mm-hmm. she exists, Mrs. Plunkett if she did actually marry him, or Jenny herself. So the final count that most people use for him is 10. Because for one thing, it sounds better. Right? Yeah. To yeah. Be like his 10th wife. You're his, like, well, yeah. yeah, that does pack more punch. It's rounder than saying it, his ninth wife. Yeah. But I think... I think it's plausible to say that between Mrs. Plunkett, the cult member, and Mrs. Sargent, the one with the sister. The sister, right. If he married any of those, then yes, Jenny was number 10. Oh or if he married gosh. somebody else who didn't even come to the papers about it, who which I would not put past him. Mm-mm. No. Or yeah, them. Some just like little backwater where he married the richest girl there and then left the next day with her money. Yep, and they didn't have a newspaper, or they did, and uh, the guy who owned the town came down and yeah. was like, and we're not printing anything about this, right? It, right? Right? Yep. Cool. <sighs> oh my goodness. Ten wives. Ten. Heart attack. A <laughs> million dollars. <laughs> I'd have a heart attack if I had ten wives, too. He died the way he lived. Yeah. Running away from women he was married to. <laughs> <laughs> the old switcheroo. <laughs> oh my gosh. God, that's... I'm just going to drop dead. Yep. And get to Canada. This <laughs> <laughs> is like, like an eternal, I'm out. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Crap, there's bars around me. I'm in jail. <laughs> Normally I'd just go buy some safes or something. <laughs> <laughs> Peace. Mic drop. Yep. <laughs> and like, I know that. It's bad to marry people under front false pretenses. I know it must have been really hard on these women, but this is kind of a D.B. Cooper situation <laughs> where I'm like, I'm having a hard time staying mad at you. I am. Because <laughs> you're just so goddamn audacious. You're so ballsy. You're so yeah. ballsy. There is something really, uh, that kind of like cheekiness when it's not mm-hmm. directed at you, you're kind of, I mean, that's why I like shitty little kids. I'm like, yeah, go annoy yeah. your parents. You're not mine. <laughs> yeah, or kids when you're like, did you just eat that? And they're like, no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just like, well. I, saw, I just saw you eat that. No. Mm-mm. No. <laughs> like, it, it kind of becomes hard to move forward with when the other person <laughs> won't accept the terms of the argument. Yeah. That you were there and you saw it. So, yeah, his, his whole thing of... He's he's got that very narcissist like yeah. I didn't do that no and if I did it wasn't a big deal and yeah. if it was a big deal it wasn't my fault and if it was my fault you made me do it <laughs> and you're like, what <laughs> <Wait>. <laughs> how am I in the wrong here yeah because <laughs> you are anyway bye <laughs> oh gaslighting New York law says I can marry as many women as I want bye <laughs> bye. <laughs> Uh, and then it just plays like that bongo sound from Scooby Doo. Like peels out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what a ballsy little man. I know. I know. I'm just this. This would be a great movie. Mm-hmm. I feel like it would be amazing, or maybe like a TV show, like. 10 episodes, right? Yeah. Kind of like how they like to do, whenever they adapt Henry VIII, they like to do each wife as a season, each, yeah. even though, like, some of them were around for 15 years and some of them for, like, a minute. <laughs> right. Uh, right. How come Catherine gets one, or, uh, yeah, Catherine of Aragon gets one season, but then Kitty yeah. Howard gets a whole season as well. Like, bitch, yeah. you were 10 years old and you lasted all of five seconds. 
Right. What's to say? What's to say? Yeah. (laughs) Poor Catherine. Poor both. Poor all of them. All of them. (sighs) But yeah, I just, I feel like it would be amazing because it it has its own ending written in. It's not like he died of the tuberculosis or something. It's very Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Like, he goes out, bam, right then. Just done. (laughs) Yep. Blazing glory, man. That's another thing I'm researching right now, actually. I just put a bunch of books on hold at the library. (gasps) Did you know that there are people who say that Butch Cassidy didn't die and he actually moved up to Spokane? I had heard that and I I, I haven't researched it, so I'm going to let you have that one. I cede authority because I want to hear that story from you. Yeah. Basically, all I've got so far is like a a bunch of books that I put on the list. So his sister says that that's what happened. Oh, my. (laughs) But other people are like, the timeline of this makes zero sense. So I have a feeling it's going to turn out to be one of those like, I wish this was true. But man, would a lot of people have to be making up this evidence that it didn't Mm -hmm. (laughs) happen that way? Mm -hmm. Oh, well. Yeah. But yeah. And, you know, this is like every story we do. I'm completely subject to the biases and fabrications (laughs) of the newspapers at the time. Yeah. So some of this may not be true, but uh, what is it that I used to have as like our Twitter thing? This is the West, sir. When the legend, what is it? When the fact becomes legend, print the legend. Print the legend. Yep. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. that's the legend of Arlington Buckingham Wadsworth. (laughs) What, uh, why did you pick that name to call him by? Because it's the most uh, titular? That's the, that's the one he used in Spokane. I see. That's right. Sorry. Uh-huh. But yeah, I, I, I picked that one because it was his Spokane one and because Buck is kind of the easiast to learn. Yeah, Buck is good. Mm-hmm. And I love, <laughs> I love the phrase Buck was a dandy so much that <laughs> that's what I've been naming these episodes. Because <laughs> it's one of those things where you have to sit there with like every word in it that's mm-hmm. not just like a little connector word and mm-hmm. be like, who is Buck? In what way was he a dandy? There's What's hilarious about this is there's actually, a, in Grand Fork, somebody wrote a whole poem which is not that interesting. Okay. But they uh, <laughs> they refer to him as, they, they say, like, your real name shouldn't be Wadsworth, it should be James Dandy. And <laughs> I have sat there for, like, the last three weeks trying to figure out what they meant. <laughs> what? Yeah, was James an uh, did insult? They mean, <laughs> did they mean Jim Dandy? And if so, no. did they mean, like... You should be known as Jim Dandy because you're the best at what you do? Or did it mean something else? I don't know. And no one will tell me because anyone who understood that reference has been dead for 50 years. And it's exasperating. Just like here, are, are you are you ready for a clip? So another thing in the poem is they say, farewell, Wadsworth, McGarrigal awaits. And I was like, what the, what's McGarrigal? McGarrigal awaits. And I Googled it and there's like a baseball player from way too late. So it couldn't be it. So I went back to the newspapers and I found, like, they do like this nice little, nice little bar graph of references. And I'm like, okay, this blows up in 1888. Okay. What I figured out is that there was a, um, like a sheriff or something, some kind of law enforcement official named McGarrigal. Okay. Who skimmed a bunch of money, who was like a, uh, embezzler. 
and then went on the run. But this is the thing that I found where I feel like I should diagram it like I'm trying to translate a dead language. Oh, yeah. Here we go. It's from the Daily Deadwood Pioneer Times, which right. makes me really happy. Yeah. July 21st, 1988. The Pioneer Press says, McGarrickle, the absconding boodler, now, <laughs> now hiding himself in the dense underbrush of the far northwest, expresses himself as anxious to get home. It is not known exactly whether McGarrickle refers to Chicago or Juliet. It may be the other place where the roaring fires never cease. He will get there if he monkeys around. <laughs> what? you to tell your your kid quit monkeying around or I'm gonna boogle you to the fiery place <laughs> you're gonna go to the other place where the roaring fires never cease you <laughs> get put where you deserve to be put you McGiracle <laughs> you absconding boodler <laughs> absconding boodler <laughs> oh my god it's like reading a stats textbook where you're like I know I can read English but every word of this is just stopping my little train of thought like <laughs> I can't it's like what I can't is it C.S. Lewis that did the the Jabberwocky mm-hmm. <laughs> no um who did the Vorpal Blade oh my god Blade. Lewis Carroll oh there you go yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Where, yeah, you're just, like, it's just non-words. It's just word salad. It's just word salad. But I I think I know what you mean. I think I get the spirit of what you mean. Yeah. You boodler. But, like, yeah, absconding boodler. That's the thing. It's a combination of, like, slang that has fallen out of use. Yeah. References that we don't get. Uh -uh. And really fancy words that nobody would use in a newspaper today. (laughs) No. No. You don't get to use abscond, unfortunately, in today's news. Absconding boodler. So, yeah, I guess they were like, you and Wadsworth go meet up. Wadsworth, the king of devils, the king of the rascals. <laughs> oh, Lord. I love yeah. it when slang comes around, actually. did You yeah. saw that um, those matchbooks I got, and I love the one that oh. says, if you want to get lit, come to the Lantern Tavern. Absolutely. Like, hey, this works again. It works again. You can totally get lit at the tavern again. <laughs> <laughs> but I forgot that that was, like, a thing, just, like, in the... Holiday Inn, a problematic fave movie of mine, and that, like, I watch the musical numbers, some of them. But there's a part where, like, the thread throughout the movie is that Fred Astaire's partner has left him, like, always happens in Fred Astaire movies. Yeah. And after he stole her from Bing Crosby. (gasps) So Bing Crosby has this new love interest who's also a great dancer, but every time Fred Astaire's character comes up to the inn, he's trying to conceal it. So he does various things, including at one point Fred Astaire is really drunk and does this fantastic drunk dance and then wakes up in the morning and he's like, what? I I was a little... uh, I was a little tipsy. And Bing says, tipsy, brother, you were fractured. And I'm like, when are we going to bring back fractured? Yes. Can we please? Yes. Oh, my. Liz, when was the last time you got good and fractured? I know. I am getting fractured tonight. I don't care. I'm not scared of the police. I'm getting fractured. Or maybe we just say get fracked. Get fracked. But then it sounds like we're either talking about like yeah. um, deep oil, oil drilling, retrieval, mm-hmm. or we're being like huge Battlestar Galactica nerds. So 
Let's go. Let's go with fractured. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say everybody knows which one of the two you and I are, Liz. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. Oh, so wow. that's that story. That's a two-parter that I hope was worth waiting for. Absolutely, uh, it was. Should I let you react a little bit more? Or should I go into the end spiel? I don't even know how to react more to that. I don't. Cool. E- I don't even know what to think of him. Like you said, he's just kind of this this rascal that you're mad at in bites and then taken as a whole, you're like, what else were you going to do with your life? You obviously did what you were good at and you did it a hundred years ago. So I don't have to give a shit about any of the people that you screwed over. I can just Mm -hmm. delight in your antics. Yeah. It almost feels when we do these things about criminals of the past, that it's like watching a nature documentary (laughs) about like, a predator who's really specifically evolved for their niche. Yeah. Where you're like, he would not do what he did then today. Mm-mm. Like, I think he would be like a catfisher or oh, yeah. maybe some kind of like soldier of fortune or defense contractor character. Like, he would have started Amway. Find- yeah, exactly. <laughs> he Maybe he would do a cult. Yeah. Maybe he would sell, uh, Leggings, but <laughs> <laughs> or or alternative medicine treatments and essential oils. Yeah. but like, I don't think he could do quite the marriage thing. I think he would have to be a catfish. But in some ways, yeah. it's like he was this proto catfish. It's just there was no communication method effective enough, so he just went there himself. He catfished people in person. <laughs> he did. He did. He was like, eh, <laughs> yeah. going to take way too long to do this by telegram. Yeah, exactly. So instead of like making a fake profile of a rich guy with good teeth and and a cool name, he just showed up and was like, "Hi, I am a rich guy and I have good teeth yeah. and a cool name." Yeah, I, I and then am much it. like many catfish, when called on his bullshit, he would just be like, "Oh no, I died." <laughs> <laughs> so sudden. Oh dear. Oh yep. Blah. <laughs> Run, Buck! Run, Buck! <laughs> oh, okay. I salute you, you multi-named weirdo. Yeah. Okay, I gotta go hide out in Canada till my mustache grows back. <laughs> Perfect disguise. Man, I'm gonna stop <sighs> shaving <Halo>. mine. <laughs> yeah, it's apparently... Unclockable. I no, figure it out. If you can change it up and, yep. and look like a, a Episcopalian preacher or whatever. I know, right? Right? Yeah. And then a Protestant minister or a Presbyterian minister or whatever he yeah. was. And then also a cult leader. So, I mean, uh, if only photography had been a little more around at the time. Yeah. I wish we had more pictures of him. Yeah. I'm not entirely sure the picture that I sent you is him because it, it looks different than the woodcuts, mm-hmm. but I'll try to put them all together when I eventually do show notes. Well, Liz. Which I will put on our website what at weechabrods.com. What kind of website is it? It's proprietary, Devin. <laughs> it's proprietary. Let me use my marketing words, goddammit. <laughs> I'll try. You suggested a mission statement the other day, and I was like, no! You got so no. mad about it. That's okay, I'm gonna have one. Like I love them. You have to have a mission statement, Liz. No, you don't. You just need a thing that says what you do. <laughs> <laughs> you you want to argue words with me, and I've already established that I'm anti-semantic. 
no, you can't be anti-semantic. This is 2018. <laughs> Do you wish it was 2018? So yeah. I know. <laughs> if you're anti-semantic, you can't be a grammar Nazi. <laughs> Jewish. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear God. <laughs> only on only on the one side, Liz. Uh, the side that counts. <laughs> it's not. Okay. I think we laughed so hard your dog got scared. Yeah. <laughs> Just looking. Just looking cool. sad. Okay, so besides that website, you can also find us on iTunes and Podbean. We love it when you subscribe, because that means we can just show up on your phone before you even know it. And that's a really smart thing, even if you're in the habit of downloading this every Monday. Sometimes we put stuff up extra, Ah. and we'll put it in the feed, and then you'll get it, even if you didn't know how to look for it. Ah. So that's my action task. That's a good one. item for you to do. Yeah. Do that. It's mm. like when drunk you goes Amazon shopping and then sober you gets the reward yeah. as a surprise. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> <laughs> I've never done that. No, I definitely didn't do that a ton when I was breastfeeding and was like awake for random hours in the middle of the night and be like, I need this and then fall asleep and it would wipe from my memory. Oh my God. <laughs> Did you do that with uh, Amazon or with Wish though? Uh, it, it was not a wish era yet. Oh, it was you're right. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Okay. So. So. What did I say? iTunes, Podbean, website. Do um, things. Go. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Yeah. Come hang out with us there. Uh, in the meantime, you got to live weird. <laughs> you got to <laughs> die of a heart attack caused by your 10th wife <laughs> showing up unexpectedly <laughs> or... As we say in the biz, die weird. God, what a great skill. Maybe that was just part of his thing that nobody knew he could do. He could could cry crocodile tears, cough up blood on command, and in a pinch, drop dead. (laughs) He just had never played that card yet. He hadn't played it. He didn't need to. It was like a leopard gecko dropping its tail. It's like, fuck, it's all or nothing. Gotta do it now. Just jettison life force. (laughs) <laughs> and please stay weird stay thank weird. you for listening thank you for listening <laughs> oh what a good two-parter my friend